Thank you for tuning in. My name is Brittany, and I'm really excited that you're here to check out this new message with our current series, Redemption. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago that Stephen asked me to, um, to preach this morning, and he gave me the subject of the law. And the first thought that came to my mind was my business law class when I was back in college. And, and you think, well, that's not too bad. You know, law classes, you split out you know, over so many days. But this was a four-hour class that happened all at the same time, four hours straight of studying the law every week, 6 o'clock PM to 10 o'clock PM. It was exhausting and boring and horrible. And so when I get to this subject, oh, you get to teach on the law. OK, glad you guys are on comfortable seats. We're going to be here for the next four hours. No, just kidding. Um, so we're here to, do, to talk about the law this morning. And in order to do that, we need to understand that we're in this series about redemption. And the law does play an important part in redemption. But in order to really get to that place, we really have to begin at the beginning. And I love the way that God just started the book, right? In the beginning. What a great way to start a story. In the beginning. And so in the beginning, God spoke and things came in. He created things just by speaking and things appeared. Sun, moon, stars, sky, water plants, animals. And then if you read the creation story in chapter 2 of Genesis, we see something I think is really important and really cool, is that God formed man. It's a part of creation that he didn't speak into existence, but that he formed. And he took and he formed us, male and female. And so if you think that God doesn't love you, he formed you. And when he spoke everything else into existence, but he formed you. And so here's man, Adam and Eve, they're together in the garden. They're in perfect relationship with God. They're in perfect relationship with one another. They're in perfect relationship with all of creation. And it's a beautiful thing. And they're living according to God's design. And the first rule, the first law, comes into being, right? God says to Adam, you can eat from any tree in the garden. Just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. First rule, first command in the garden before, while still everything was perfect. And of course, then as the story goes on, you don't need redemption unless something goes wrong, you're put into captivity. So along comes a serpent. And the serpent comes and he's crafty and he begins to talk to Eve. And next thing we know, Eve's taking the fruit and she says, this looks pretty good. And she takes a bite and she eats and she gives some to Adam and he takes a bite and he eats and, and sin is now entered into the world. And God comes down. He doesn't run away from it because he's not afraid of sin. He's not afraid of broken people. And he comes right down and he begins to, to deal with them. And there's a plan of redemption from the very beginning, even from that brokenness. And from there, we move on in the story of redemption. We come to this man named Abraham. And uh, he's just a guy. He's living in this place. And God comes along and says, hey, I want you to load up all your stuff. I want you to move to a place I'm going to show you. And I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I don't know about you, but I've moved a few times in my life, and it's a real pain. And to load up a U-Haul truck and say, OK, uh, go where? Just load up and get on the road and go, you show me where I'm supposed to drive, and that's where we're going to go. I, I wouldn't want to do that. But that's what Abraham did. He loaded everything up, and he moved. And he was 75 years old when he was promised a child. And he was 100 years old before it came into being. But he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. His faith was credited to him as righteousness. And as the story moves along, his family did grow. It was about 75 people, and, and well, one of the brothers, you know, the family kind of got sold him off to Egypt for a while because they didn't like him. And, and he became a big guy in Egypt, and his name was Joseph. And the family then moved to Egypt, about 75 of them. And of course, years passed, and they became this great nation, so much so that the Egyptians were afraid of them, and they put them into slavery. 
And they were in slavery for years and years. And then the next thing you know, they're crying out to God, hey, we're stuck in a slavery thing. Free us. And God raised up a, a young man. He was a baby first, got taken into Pharaoh's palace. And so he's raised a prince of Egypt, even though he was an Israelite. One day he saw what was taking place. The taskmaster was beaten on an Israelite, and he went over and he murdered the taskmaster. And he thought that this would give him some credibility with the, the Israelites, that he would be their savior. And, and that's not what happened, because he did it in his own strength and his own wisdom and how he thought it was supposed to happen. And so he ran away from Egypt. 40 years later, God brings him back and says, we're going to do it my way this time. And so Moses becomes this guy that comes back to Egypt, and he goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, let my people go. And as the story goes, there's all these plagues trying to get Pharaoh and the Egyptians to let his people go. And finally, it comes down to the last plague, right? Death of the firstborn. And God told Moses to tell the Israelites, taken a young, unblemished, perfect lamb and kill it, put the blood over the doorposts, and we'll pass over. We won't kill your firstborn. And so they were there in those homes with the blood over, and the Lord came, and the Egyptians lost their firstborn, and the Israelites, and the Israelites left Egypt. They plundered Egypt because the Egyptians were like, here, take this stuff, get out of here. We don't want you around anymore. We're tired of these plagues. And so they, the Israelites took off, and they made it out of there. They were redeemed, and they come to this place now that they're at the Red Sea. The Egyptians are like, hey, we just gave all our slaves away. So they go chasing after them with the army, going to get the Israelites back, going to enslave them once more. But God does what we can't do, and he parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites walk through on dry ground, and they get onto the other side. Seas close up. You know how the story goes. So that kind of brings us to the place that we're at now. The Israelites had gone onto the other side of the Red Sea, and they'd wandered around for a while, and God had given them the law, and now they're getting ready to finally, finally walk into the promised land. And as, as Stephen read this morning, Moses was one more time giving them the law. Here's the law. This is the way that you should live. These are the things that you need to do. This is how you go about these things. I want you to know. And so that kind of gets us to the place that we are with the story and, and where we are with this, the law. But as we begin with the, the talking about the law, I want you to understand a couple of things before we really jump in too deep. And that's the very first thing we need to understand is that God does not change. God doesn't change. If we look at this story, salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith, but by God's grace. It was the same that was very true in the very beginning in the garden. It was by God's grace. We see there that the Adam and Eve clothed themselves with fig leaves, right? And fig leaves aren't going to last very long. They're going to dry, they're going to crack, and they're going to fall apart, and then you're uncovered again. But God took a couple animals, and he killed them, and he gave, made skins, clothing out of these skins, these furs, and covered Adam and Eve. He covered them over. The penalty of sin was the death of something else. Life had to be given. And so from the very beginning, there was this law, but the very beginning was God's grace. Because the penalty for sin was what? Adam and Eve's lives. But that was not what took place. So God does not change. God's plan has always been his grace through faith for salvation. The second thing I want you to understand and know this morning is that the law has always existed. At least from the garden it has. When God gave the law there, he told them, don't eat from this tree or you will surely die. But he also then 
when they did eat the fruit, there was a sacrifice for their sins. The law has always existed. It's always been there. The law requires a blood sacrifice for the redemption from sin. The third thing I want you to understand is this, is that people misinterpret, add to, subtract from what God says. Again, we can turn back to the garden because this is just a great example. And here's you know, the serpent sneaking up on, on Eve, and they're standing there. And the serpent says, well, I hear you're not allowed to eat from any of the trees in the garden. And what does Eve reply? Oh, we're allowed to eat from all the trees in the garden except for this one tree, and we're not allowed to eat from it or even touch it. But that was never what God said. And so people, as people, we have this way of, of misinterpreting what God's saying. We don't understand what he's saying, or we, we add things to it, like not even touch it, or we take things away from it. We pick and we choose. And it's real easy to do that with the law. It's real easy to say, you know, if I just do these things and I check these boxes, then I can earn my salvation. I can find the easy road. We get caught up in doing the good things and not doing the bad things, and, and it's called legalism, right? You get caught up in this thing, and it's really not doing what God called us to do. So with this basis and this understanding, we can move forward and begin to Think about what is it that the law was given for? What's the purpose and how does it fit into redemption? Why did God give it? We need to begin to understand at the time when the law was given. See, the law always existed, and, and we can understand that because we saw that this, there was a sacrifice thing that began with the animals and God clothing Adam and Eve. But then the next thing that took place, as you can see, is they had a couple boys. Remember Cain and Abel? And they had a little... Thing that went on, right? They didn't get along. They're brothers. Imagine that. And one brought the produce as his sacrifice, and the other brought the lamb as his sacrifice. And so this sacrificial thing was already kind of going on. But I also need to understand that the law was given after. Not when Israel was still in Egypt, but after, after they had been redeemed, after they had come out of there, after they'd crossed through the Red Sea, and there they were now in the freedom of the promised land, going that direction, and God gives them the law. It wasn't when they were still trapped, still in slavery. It was after they were freed that they were given the law. And this law was given to them for two purposes, basically. Well, one was that they knew how to interact with God. I want to say they know how to interact with one another. If we read the Ten Commandments, what takes place there? The first four commandments all deal with how we interact with God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt. I'm to be your only God. You're not to make any idols and bow down and worship them because I'm a jealous God. You're not to take my name and misuse it in any way, shape, or form, any fashion. And you're to give me one day of your week. It's a Sabbath for you to spend time with me, to rest, to rest, excuse me. And then the next six, talk about how we interact with one another, right? Beginning with how we treat our parents, honor your mother and your father. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't have false testimony. Don't lie. Don't covet what other people have. 
They're pretty simple things. If we were to read on in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it goes on and it talks about those things and how we're supposed to, to do those. And if you actually ask Jesus in the New Testament, and they did, the teachers of the law, they go, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And what does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, and the second, it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gets, just gave us all the law in two things, and they are based on one thing, love. The law was given so that we could learn how to love God and love one another in a fashion that maybe we didn't understand. How do we do that? How do we treat one another? How do we act with God and interact with him? The law was also given to us for the purpose of understanding what sin is. If you don't know what you're doing wrong, how can you know that you're doing wrong, right? And so the law was given to us to help us understand, oh, I just broke the law. But also in doing that, helped us to understand that we needed redemption, that we needed a savior, that we needed something greater than ourselves because we couldn't keep the law. So how's the law going to be our savior? And then one other reason why we were given the law, and this is really important. God gave us the law to formalize the sacrificial system. Now, I'm really thankful today that we don't have to offer sheep and goats and bulls and all those kinds of things that would be kind of messy and you know, nasty and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, God formalized this thing, right? So we began in the, in the garden and God killed animals. And then we saw sacrifices all along. And now God formalizes it. This is how sin is atoned for. Sin is atoned for by the shedding of blood. And so this whole system was set up so that the Israelites knew that when I sin, I know that I need to bring a lamb, and I need to bring this perfect, unblemished, healthy lamb. We saw that at, at Passover, he began to institute this, and, and they were supposed to bring this lamb, this cute little fuzzy, furry lamb into their home. Do you know that? They brought the lamb into their home for four days before they ever took and sacrificed it. They got to know it, to love it. You know, kids wanted it to be their pet. They came close. And they killed the lamb. Do you remember I kind of was talking about how God doesn't change? The plan didn't change. Salvation was always by God's grace through faith. The sacrificial system was set up so that a lamb would be offered. The only problem was is that these lambs were imperfect. Oh, they were white, and they were pure, and they were unblemished, and they were healthy, but they were not the perfect sacrifice. It wasn't until we get into the New Testament and, and Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus perfectly lives out the law, loving everyone, even those who hated him and persecuted him. Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb. And so God didn't just set up a law and say, okay, now we're going to change things. We're going to do something different in the New Testament. That wasn't the case. Now the perfect lamb had come. One sacrifice for all, for all time. Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb. 
So many times we get caught up in trying to follow the rules, trying to be the, the good person and, and doing the right things. And, and again, we just get back to the whole checking the box thing. It was never meant to be that way. Yes, the law is a good thing, and it's a right thing, and we should follow it, but it's a law of love, not a law of, to bind us and, and hold us and weigh over us. It's a law that actually sets us free because we understand that it's a sacrifice that Jesus made that we might have life and have it freely and that we would know and learn how to interact with one another out of love. You pray with me this morning. Thank you so much for checking out this message. If you'd like to know more on our church, you can go to experienceredemption.com.